charm it's a little show that takes a look at the third installment of a franchise this is episode 80 honey we shrunk ourselves direct to video 1997 i'm your host uh mini mike manzi how's it going and joining me today as of late he is great and it is my unofficial co-host forever brian the little guy rodriguez Wow, I've never really been called that before, but <laughs> well, I'm trying to do these these small puns for the movie. <laughs> Get them out of my system. Happy to be here, Mike, as always. Thank you for joining me. And this seems to be part two of our live action Disney family films that focus mainly on how hard it is to be a parent. I'm looking for more. Maybe we'll do the third shaggy dog you know that one the shaggy da and such i want to get the i want to get you on with the guys from too fast to do the third herbie oh yeah Mickey. yeah it's like herbie grand prix in france where's that monaco wherever they went for iron man 2 here we are for uh honey i shrunk the kids a beloved franchise i think uh surprised they haven't really done anything with it since 1997 mike you need to get your research up what do you, what do you, hold on. What is this word? Starts with an R. I've heard people <laughs> use it before, uh, but not on this show. Research? Do tell them. I think they would just announce, like, was it a reboot or something? Did you see that? I do not have my ear to the ground these days as close as I used to. I, I am not on the um, Slash film. Is Slash film still around? Um, who was that big guy with the red hair who used to uh, have his thing? Is Chud? Honestly, is Chud still a Chud. thing? <laughs> All those people. Again, I don't know if this was... I know it was announced somewhat recently. I think it was, yeah, okay. It was over the summer. Josh Gad, I believe, Oh, is okay. like going to be the big star. Rick Moranis is back. You got to get Rick back. He's he's the he's the soul of the series, right? I know Joe Johnson was supposed to be involved again. There's a lot of big names associated with this series that we're going to talk a little more about when we do a little more lately about the behind the scenes and, and that kind of thing before we get to the plot and guts of the film. I mean, I'll just get the plot out of the way real quick. Uh, this time, the parents shrink themselves by accident and the kids think that they're have the house to themselves for the day. So they throw a kid party and the parents have to get the kid's attention before one of them almost dies from not taking their potassium medication. They end up, you know, getting back to normal size at the end. It was officially canceled. It might be updated, but it was called Shrunk. It was just called Shrunk? Just one word? Yeah, so I don't huh. know. I think it's still got appeal. I could see it. They should. They could do like a cartoon. I'm shocked they never did like a cartoon. Well, they, well, they had a series. I don't know if you're aware of that. There was a television series? Yes. I was not aware of this. Look at look at this. This is these see folks. This is why you have a co-host. This is why. <laughs> Any interesting info on that? What did that run on Saturday mornings? Was it on the Disney Channel back in the nineties? I remember or? watching it. Why don't I go through my history, honey? I shrunk the kids and try to like as I talk it out shape what this was. Well, what's your history? It's very brief, to be honest with you. I mean, I can tell you I was there in the summer of 1989 in theaters. I remember pretty vividly. I loved the first movie. I thought it was terrific. I thought it was fantastic. I, I still have a copy on VHS. I did not have time to watch it for this recording, nor did I have a chance to watch part two. 
ever. Never seen part two in my life. I'm attracted to it because like it's got a big kaiju kid in it, right? Like they yeah. blow up the kid. So he becomes like a Godzilla kid. <laughs> so kind of surprised that like I never, I, I even put a list together a few years back of children, giant monster films, you know, not, not just <laughs> films, not just with giant children in them, but like suitable for little kids to watch, you know, like Peach Dragon, the new one, that was a big one. So I was like, oh, that got me thinking like Spielberg did the big friendly giant you know i was like oh there we go okay and so like my list started going but uh honey i blew up the kid never saw that i I remember going to disney and seeing like the uh honey i shrunk the kid kind of like like walk through play zone that kids were i was a little too old at the time i think i was like 15 but like i remember like they still had that set up they might have been turning it into bugs life or something (laughs) i don't know and then with part three this was my first screening of part three i bought the dvd when i started the podcast however many years ago and now we're finally getting to it interesting interesting so this series was very much in my wheelhouse growing up i was a little too young like i would never have gone to the theater for the first one but by the time i was like watching movies this was like a known movie that not everyone had but a lot of kids had on vhs so like definitely saw the first one it was like known as a classic and and i don't want to disagree with you a little bit i don't know if this is a classic today it's not very much featured on disney plus hardly hear anyone talk about it we're in a nostalgia era you, you don't see a lot of nostalgia for it lost classic yeah that's what i'm calling it you know i think ant-man sure. might have stolen some of its thunder <laughs> <laughs> you know what's sad with it too and we get a new ghostbusters coming out soon and it reminds yeah. me of like how underappreciated rick moranis is today right i mean i haven't been that far removed to miss that i've noticed that i've been part of that camp i mean he kind of retired so he took time off to raise kids and and lead a normal life and a few years ago maybe just like two years ago he kind of announced i'm coming out of retirement and then i think the strike hit uh, i also <laughs> think uh he was like assaulted on the street what? like someone randomly punched him in the face i don't know what if that has anything to do with where he's been lately but that is what i remember happening so like we all wanted him doing stuff more moranis it's hard to say i want more moranis it's, it's just crazy that some of this stuff from that era is held in such reverence today by kids who weren't even born in that era, right? Yeah. Can you imagine if they saw like SCTV? <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like that was aired on MTV when I was growing up next to old SNL. So like I knew him as one of the McKenzie brothers and, and doing things on that. And he was in other movies too. And Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. But like, so I don't know, for whatever reason, Moranis and this series, which again was huge when I was a kid, was a really big deal. This was so, uh, the first one was such a hit. Definitely like was aware of, really loved as a kid, but it just got, you know, it was in the shuffle with all these other great movies that were, were coming out for kids at that time. The second one, I definitely remember coming out. I didn't see in the theater, but like my aunt did. She was like, oh, it was really good. You know what I mean? I don't know how good it was, but I remember when it came out in Blockbuster and my family rented it and I loved that. And it had, you know, that iconic moment of the baby grabbing the guitar from the Hard Rock Hotel in Vegas and playing it. Like that was the iconic moment of, of that one and, and you know again you have a like you said a kaiju baby stomping around las vegas oh my god bill mosley plays the federal marshal in that i gotta <laughs> see this dude he's 
Chop Top in like freaking Chainsaw 2, right? Like the guy's a horror icon, quote unquote. So it's very I mean, cool. it has horror elements. So I watched the first one and I thought it was a little sillier than I thought. Sorry, I rewatched all of them for this watch. And I thought it was a little sillier than I thought. I watched the second one and it was definitely more silly, but I thought the first one held up. And I thought to an extent the second one held up as well for what it was. Okay. Um, and, and I even mentioned to you that I would love to cover those two. Yeah. First two on High School Slumber Party one day because there are a lot of teen elements on there. Like we've covered movies like Adventures in Babysitting, right? Like there's right. similar stuff in them, um, especially the first one. But even the second one has elements there. Um, this one, the kids seem younger. We'll, we'll get into it. I probably, Mike, saw this one the most. Part That's two. crazy to me. Here's why. Look, I was... 10 when this film came out so it was right in my wheelhouse they ran it a lot on tv on the okay. disney channel i would just watch it right so i thought i was gonna have a lot more nostalgia for it this by far was like the lowest budget and the silliest of the trilogy it's only an hour and 15 minutes i do want to mention the show because i did watch the show it ran on disney channel it wasn't bad three seasons of 22 episodes each what yeah. 66 episodes but no rick moranis yeah, I wasn't expecting him to do... Yeah, no. He's replaced by someone near and dear to our hearts. Peter Scolari replaces him. No way! Yeah. That's um, pretty good. Fun fact about the series, one of its creators was a man named Ed Ferrara. And, you know, if you don't know the name Ed Ferrara whatever but if you do you probably know it because you're a fan of wrestling in the attitude era he was one of the key writers of the attitude era in the wwe oh my god my mind is melting right now for so i'm like trying to keep up i'm still on peter scolari you know r.i.p recently but like if you want to hear more about that joey and i covered the entirety of bosom buddies with me with you right yeah so like go i check think island was on one of them he was on i think the whole first season perhaps he could be Moranis's brother. Like, they look so much alike. I bet he did well. He did well on that. Now, as far as the... I do know this guy. I remember here... this. I think he was in a couple documentaries or some behind the, the rings even. Oh, possibly. he might have been, yeah, in Dark Side of the Ring. They might have talked to him there. Yeah. So I'm aware of that too, but I'm not aware that he was involved with this. So that's pretty awesome. Just real quick. I mean, I want to talk more about it on your episode, but when it comes to like the first one, and you did mention sort of like horror elements even like kind of throughout the entire series these characters are based on characters created by Stuart Gordon. And if you don't know who Stuart Gordon is, he's one of my favorite writer-directors. He's done Reanimator and From Beyond and Dagon and most recently, I mean, he's passed away recently, but like he was supposed to direct this movie Suitable Flesh with Heather Graham, which is just super fantastic. Uh, and he's like hardcore Lovecraft, you know, slimy, practical effect kind of thing. And and you can totally see in the design of the Zelinskis, especially like Rick Moranis' character, like he is almost based on the character Dr. Herbert West from Reanimator, like the same look, the same sort of temperament and vibes. Like it's just kind of crazy. And it just seems that Disney kind of kidified it, but did it in like such an interesting and, and successful way by keeping a lot of the more sort of adult themes. You know, I think like that's what sort of survived is like you're talking, you know, we'll get more into it when, when we do it on your show. But I just I couldn't help myself 
uh, if I hadn't mentioned this. And it just like blew my mind. It, it's like when you find out like Mick Garris wrote Hocus Pocus, like that was originally conceived to be more of an adult film as well. So it's just it's just really interesting to me that I just, you know, I just felt like I needed to mention it quickly. No, for sure. And another thing you alluded to that I want to mention here that we might get into more when we cover it on High School Slumber Party. It's the Disney park element of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, I know there was a show, which I I might have caught and I don't remember, but what I really remember because remember, I was like a little kid when this came out, was the play area that they created for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It it was you know, it had the ant, like the large blades of grass. The big deal was like a slide in the Kodak film canister. Yeah, well there was apparently a ride, an entire like 4D ride known as Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, which was, I I think it was directed by this director, Dean Cundy. And this guy, Dean Cundy, this might have been the only movie he directed, but like we know his work very well, very, very well. He's he's a cinematographer, but like he's one of the greatest cinematographers. (laughs) And like as far as like my film collection goes, like all these John Carpenter films, like all these uh, Robert Zemeckis films, you know, just like he's done everything. So it's kind of funny that this was his only directorial project. Yeah, I mean, so let's talk about this, I guess, because there's actually stealthily a couple weird things to talk about here. A couple. <laughs> a few things came to light throughout. Like, that's that's what I would say was fun fun for me with this movie, is just, like, as it went on, all these weird fucking things started popping up about the movie that, like, got me wondering if this is, like, a cursed object or something like that. Don't leave it on going to bed or else like it might dominate your dreams. But where do we begin? How about the recast? Yeah, Rick Moranis is the only one who returns. Some of that is understandable. Yeah, so they recast. I guess this is the kid that was blown up big from part two. Yes, so the other two kids... in the in the second one, one of the kids is in college. I think that's why they move the oldest one. But even though they don't say it's pretty obvious here, now the two oldest ones are in college. So the main Solinskis only have one kid at home, and that is the kid who blew up, which is not acknowledged at all in the film, right? Like I would, yeah. I would talk about it if I was him. I would maybe. I mean, maybe he just doesn't remember. Well, I mean, they, they, they remember to mention that Wayne can't turn on the machine because there's like these federal indictments against him and shit. Yeah. There's like like the government and the FDAA and like the CIA and like, you know, NATO. They're all like, you can't ever turn that machine on. It's like, just disassemble the thing. Like, pass a bill. I just love how it's still in his attic. I was ready to rip a lot of that apart. But they do a good job of being like, all right, no, I have to bring it to the Smithsonian. Like, yes, federal agents should be doing that. And it's only justified by a phone call on this. Mm -hmm. Um, There there was that that I was ready to rip apart, but I'm going to cut its lack. And the other thing I was going to rip apart was like, at this point, he's invented the most significant invention in on the planet in modern history, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but and then I was like, okay, at the very least, he'd be a multimillionaire, right? Why is he? Why is he living in in just like a middle class house? Yeah. Yeah. But actually, like, there's enough lines in this to justify it. One, he's quirky. Two, he clearly can't run the company well. Like, you see him presenting, it sort of sucks at it. Three, like, he mentions, oh, you know, I got this genius grant and I bought this tiki thing, right? Which, whatever. It is so vital to the first act. It's Chekhov's tiki. It is so important to, like, all of the uh, turning points of the film. Someone saw that on the back lot and was like, bring that shit to set. It's in the movie. I don't really understand it. But again, it justified it enough to me. Yeah, I feel, yeah. 
But back to uh, the kid, right? He's played by Bug Hall. He is famous for the portrayal of Alfalfa in the Little Rascals live-action movie from 1994. Good for him. Yeah, I never did see that, but I remember the trailer quite often. And uh, that's nice. Yeah, he seems that he was in an American Pie. Did you watch that one, The Book of Love? Did you see that one for your show? Was that high school or college? I don't think I saw that one, but good to know. I did see The Big Green, the the soccer kid movie. That was fun. Another good one. So Eve Gordon replaced mm-hmm. the original Diane Stalinsky. Marsha Strassman, of course, played Diane in the first two films. Eve Gordon replaced her. You know what's really funny about this character is like, she's on, if, I don't I haven't seen the second one, but I'm going to just, from, from seeing the first one and this one, she is on the brink of walking out on this guy. Like it's a divorce kind of like eminent situation. It's like either the invention goes or I go. It's like that kind. It feels like very much like that. And there's a line early on in this movie when her and her sister-in-law are supposed to be going on vacation. And she's like, oh, I don't know if like we should be going on vacation or any of this stuff. And she says something to the effect of like, I need this for my marriage. or so- I need this time to like reassess my marriage or something like yeah the divorce theme like runs through this series well yeah you know we're bouncing all over the place but you know that's what we do here but the title honey we shrunk the kids is so boomer it's like almost unrelatable today one of the most hilarious things that i hear gen z people say i think i've said it on other podcasts as well and like i never thought about it they're like when i watch old movies i don't understand why i'm supposed to hate my wife or or old tv shows it's more prevalent in sitcoms i've heard that before yeah yeah and sitcoms for sure right like think about like married with children right that was just the motif for like boomer media for a while like we just grew up with it right like not hate but like just the tug between between husband and wife, right? Like that was like such a big deal. You know, how can I lie to my significant other? <laughs> and get away with it. Right? Yeah, like that was a huge part of media. Well, it, yeah, I know. I've, I'm sure there's a paper somewhere that's also <laughs> kind of saying like it was that way because of how sort of uh, it just represented how immature and juvenile men still were at that age and how responsible like women were by then. And, but it also, I think, in sitcom terms was trying to say like men have fun. Women are bummers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That- is that in the show? Like, are they still on the, do they go to couples therapy? <laughs> like, I almost feel like that should have been the thread. Like, Wayne, we have couples therapy today. And then they get shrunken down and they go through this whole thing all day long. And through by the end, they save their marriage, which is ironic because they don't end up working together. They end up splitting off into pairs. The boys and the girls like split off on two separate adventures. And then when they get big again, they're like, we grew together like as a couple. And it's like, no, no, you didn't. Well, the writing isn't the best for this one. Like, it's so obvious and evident. And let, let, let's talk about those pairs, though. Where the hell do his brother and sister-in-law come from? Because they were not in the previous two films. I gotta tell you, I don't care because I love <laughs> Stuart Pankin and I love Robin Bartlett. Like, the people who play these characters are amazing character actors that I feel like I grew up with and still see from time to time. But Stuart Pankin has serious, like, Richard Kind energy or something. Or I feel like he would corner me at my friend's bar mitzvah and tell me, like, you know, partially lewd jokes. Not quite R-rated, but, like, still in the borscht belt but i loved his energy and i love the fact that they introduced wayne has a uh, a brother and he's like the more business savvy guy and wayne is the more kind of uh, technical guy 
I'm not against what you're saying, but I definitely feel like it came out of left field. And that they're like neighbors. Are they neighbors? I didn't pick they that up. They live close. They definitely live close because they sort of walk over. And, oh, no, they well, drive. No, they drive. My mom right. and her sister lived about like 10 minutes away from each other. I'm not saying know. that that's crazy, but it's just crazy that it hasn't been mentioned before. Didn't they move to this place recently, like from the last Las movie? Vegas? Does that look like Las Vegas to you? No, it doesn't. I believe all three of them are in three different houses without explanation. Oh, they, they cite in this one uh, a shuttle launch at Edwards Air Force Base. So that's California. They've relocated back to California, clearly. Okay, okay. I enjoyed them as well. My overall take on this film is this is pure third movie. You'll probably have a bucket when you're all done of ones that were just like, let's milk the rest of what we can out of it, right? We shrunk the kids. We blew up a kid. Yeah, we did everything to the kids. And like, I know I enjoyed this movie as a kid, but like now I'm looking at it, like why would I enjoy a movie where the parents are the ones having the fun? Okay, my mind is to catch up again. Part three, right? I think one thing... Part threes are there to kind of do, uh, for better or worse, if you will, and this is from like big to small movies, is introduce this character out of nowhere and he's sort of been there the whole time. Like, look at the last movie we watched, Jack fucking Frost. Fair. Right? Good point. And he's like, well, I've just, I've been here. You guys just haven't been listening. <laughs> you know. So I almost feel like uh, Gordon's been calling on the phone and we missed that. Or like he's been watching on TV, his nephew getting big and trampling Vegas and shit. And then like by this point, he's like, I got to get closer and keep an eye on my brother. And clearly Wayne does not know like his own strengths. He is kind of a mad scientist in this. He's very one track minded, you know. Then the other thing about it being sort of the parents adventure like that. I'll get back to that in a second. But I do think this is this is kids wish fulfillment as well. It's like the parents are away. The kid storyline while the B storyline is the parents are away. The kids will play. Let's throw a party sleepover party we're gonna get nuts we're gonna eat all the candy in the world we're gonna rollerblade in the house we're not gonna take our important medication like we're gonna buck all the rules but you're right like a lot of the adventure quote unquote takes place with the parents and what's so odd about that is that it should be this sort of like pixar thing where it's like happening to the parents but it's for the kids but this feels like it's trying to be for the parents to understand what it's like to be better parents and listen to their children because they end up overhearing their kids and like seeing them in these situations where they don't know they're being seen my favorite one is when the kid just like comes into the room like like banging a pan and then just like (laughs) and they're just like wow we just saw like the inner life of our kid and like perfectly but it like ends up not like being about that like they don't really grow any closer as a family to any regard or respect to the effect that like they dwell on by the end you know it's not like they all come together at the end and they're and they're having dinner like in the first one this is just kind of like i'm really fucking glad that was over with you know you see it in their eyes they're like oh let's like almost never speak of that situation again vibe by the end of this movie and the kids are like debating whether to bring their parents back i'm like maybe they'll throw you down the trash compactor like what look what what's great about home alone okay we see kevin do awesome shit when he's home alone. That's the whole point of the movie. And 
At the end, he realizes he needed his parents all along, and his parents realize they needed him. Yay! You know, that's a movie right there. And they did it again for the second one. For this one, like, they're both like, well... Instantly grounded for, like, a good five years if I get big again. The funny thing is, Mike, they didn't think about it for a second, like, wait, do we want to bring them back? Come on, let's just, you know what I mean? It was like, should we bring them back? And it lingered on this question. Maybe it was like a misdirect. Like, I'm saying, like, it was misdirected. Like, the children just didn't have, like, the acting comprehension to understand what to go for to like pull that off as like a joke because like that is dark like it's kind of it's funny but it's messed up to be at the end of a movie that doesn't have anything else like that in it right like if they were doing things like that throughout we got to go back to the cast mike let's not go too far yet let's go to mitch first because mitch's jake richards is a pretty interesting career if you ask me sure there was one other thing that he was in that is sort of significant to the channel he is in this movie called monkey business starring Shia LaBeouf and a couple other people but like Joey and I watched this because we watched all of Shia's movies and this is an insane movie that everybody needs to see and I forgot all about it and then I am gonna go dig out my copy but like this is a this is like madness type of movie I mean it's for children but if an adult watches it and tries to watch it just like as a movie instead of like as crazy children's entertainment that is just like off the wall and makes no sense like it's gonna break your mind like it is so good and so crazy and i saw that this guy was in it as a kid when he was much younger probably this age and so i'm just glad that uh i was reminded of that movie today nice um i knew him from this tv series fudge which is a judy bloom adaptation it was like one of the only judy bloom adaptations and he was the star of that he was fudge so that's how I knew it. Brian, he has potential here on the show. Okay, he, he's in Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. That's a part three. He's in Clerks 3. Ooh. He is in, I believe, Problem Child 3. <laughs> he could be the first three-timer if we do those other two shows. But no one wants to watch Clerks 3 with me. And I don't blame him. It's ultra fucking depressing. And I don't want to watch it again. But maybe, maybe someday. We yeah, will get there. I got to think about it. who else is in your three timers club. There has to be a bunch. Of I don't people. think there is anyone else in that club right now. Eddie Murphy. Because I haven't done it. I haven't done Indiana Jones. Right. So I don't think I did three. Well, Harrison Ford, we didn't do like the clear and present danger series, but he's in that. He did three. Of, I think he did three of those movies. Right. Yeah, I mean, maybe yeah. just two. Was he Jack? He was Jack Ryan. I think just twice. Oh, boy. I don't know. It's hard to say. No, I don't know. I mean, look, obviously Stallone. Okay, Stallone. So Rocky, Expendables, and Rambo. Rambo. Haven't done Rambo or Expendables yet. Rambo 3 you should do. Yeah. Yeah, Rambo 3 got to get there. Eddie Murphy has to be in 3, right? I don't. They only did two Nutty Professors. They only did two Dr. Doolittles. They did... They're doing the fourth Beverly Hills Cop. They did two Coming to Americas. He's a lot of two. There's only two 48 hours. Another. Oh, man. Could you imagine him and Nolte now? You could count Shrek the third, but you're right. He does a lot of part twos and not a lot of part threes. They should have brought him into Ghostbusters. He was originally supposed to be in the first Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Excellent. But he could be Winston's brother. What's up, everybody? I was here all the time. I was working construction, though, on the other side of the, of the state. So I couldn't bust ghosts, but now it's all hands on deck. So who's next on your cast list? I'm not sure if she was at the party the whole time, but she definitely popped up at one point and it is Mila Kunis, which I can only assume is her first on-screen role. 
I, I have to assume that, right? Uh, As Jill, party yeah, girl? Yeah, she she was the sporty one that the, the kid liked. I feel like when Jenny's friends show up, there's like a couple of them. And then later, they're, they're, it seems like Mila Kunis just kind of like is there. I don't I don't remember her showing up the way like the other kids did, which is like. No, she, she showed up with them together and she had the baseball cap on. And that's what he was like. No, no, no. We will be slaves. I guess I just didn't recognize her. I do like Bug and Jake's chemistry i think it's funny how like they're cousins and they hang out like this and like they do that volcano chili volcano oh brian that's what i wanted to talk to you about they do the chili volcano and i thought of you and jordan because they make hot dog family and they sacrifice the hot dog family like at the bottom of the volcano and like eat the body parts i was like oh that's so key but why stop beating around the bush? Why bury the lead? Let's get to the headlines. Who else is in this movie, Brian? Oh, you I assume you want to talk about Allison Mack. Again, probably like 13, maybe something like that. And you might know her from Smallville, or you might know her from that weird cult that uh, branded each other and was very sexually submissive, right? I don't know what. There's an HBO documentary about that cult, apparently. HBO documentary, a Lifetime movie? Like, I'm not, that's not the world I'm in. Look, I know a lot of people love that stuff, and I'm not criticizing it. Um, So I'm not too familiar with this case. I just remember it being in the news, but I know it was pretty sinister. Right. I have a, just a little blurb. In 2006, she was a member of Nexium. Ah, uh, yes. Just spelled N X I V M, all capitals. Organization founded by Keith Rainier and headquartered in, oh no, Albany, New York. Throughout its existence, advocates of Nexium characterized it as a benign multi-level marketing company selling professional and personal development courses, while critics describe it as a cult. So that's the, the Nexium. Yeah. Oof. I don't like cults, but like I prefer <laughs> it to be about space and aliens and, and shit like that. I don't know. This is just extreme and like makes me very uncomfortable. You are taking a lot of hard positions today, I've noticed. There's some cults I like. Well, no, it's not that I, I'm just saying like some are more fascinating. Like, I don't understand how people want to like know more about this twisted fucked up thing, but I want to know more about the twisted fucked up world of like Hale-Bopp comet worshippers. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? Like, fair, that's just, fair. it's not my kind of direction. And like Jonestown, like that's too. I just know she got the other Smallville girl involved. What's the one? Kristen Crick or whatever. Oh, really? I don't know how far Kristen Crick went in. I know she didn't go to jail, but I know like she got involved somehow. Like that's how convincing this cult was, which is crazy to think about. Well, dude, they're actors, right? She's a good fucking actor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, you know, like to come join a cult. Gotta be a really good actor. I'm glad they didn't get Rick Moranis in the cult. That that makes me very happy. Oh yeah. Oh, she's almost a third timer. She was in Night Eyes Three. She was in this. What the hell is Night Eyes 3? You know the Night Eyes series? I do not. I am not aware of the Night Eyes series. Oh my god, it's it's quite erotic. It's a 90 This is a 93 erotic thriller directed by Andrew Stevens. It is the third in the Night Eyes series, like its predecessor. It stars Andrew Stevens and Shannon Tweed. Ooh. Oh, although they played different roles. It also stars Tweed's sister Tracy. There's a Tracy Tweed? What a poster. Look up this poster. But don't do it at work. What's kind of ironic, maybe, about her performance in this movie, or at least her character, is that 
she has like a really great moment in this movie where a guy she admittedly thinks is cute okay that's all she's kind of said about this guy he comes and he like crashes her party with a bunch of his friends and then he gets her alone in the kitchen and he moves in and he kisses her without permission right and she instantly is like what are you doing and he's like what like I'm kissing you and he's and she's like I don't know you we've barely talked I haven't gotten to know you and even if I had gotten to know you what makes you think I'm gonna kiss you like today like all this stuff she like goes off on the dude and her mom who's like shrunken down and is on like the countertop in the kitchen is is overseeing and hearing all of this and I'm just wondering why her ears aren't bleeding because they must be so loud it must be like because they're so small but her mom's like way to go kid like all right like that's my daughter you know and she's basically like get the fuck out of my house like take your friends and leave that's probably like the most well-written moment in the movie right like let's face it yeah like i was a dick i was like that's so great like what a great message uh it just sucks that like now we know like she sent that message it's just weird you know like it's just it just leaves a weird taste on my mind after seeing it well uh, well you know how to get to know her better right oh god that's right you gotta go join her cult. exactly exactly so that's i don't think she was in it at this age no <laughs> of course not it's just one of those weird things that like you look back guys another reason movies are so awesome and amazing is because like they capture such bizarre moments in time like that you never know what's gonna happen and, and look to be clear there are people who are victims of cults out there look i know someone who grew up in a cult and had to essentially repair her life you know and that's not her fault right she grew up in it her parents were in it and it wasn't that destructive of a cult i don't think right but uh, it's still there not everyone in a cult it's their fault and some people just get swept into it it happens i say that because allison mack was apparently a ringleader of this cult she went to prison she pled guilty to whatever it was i don't know how she got in i don't know enough of the story i just know she was like recently released from prison that's where i leave it all right yeah i think people understand this is not a serious podcast (laughs) we're not trying to tackle issues here tonight we're just trying to have fun and i'm not trying to like offend anybody so like if you're listening and you were in a cult and i just triggered you i apologize sincerely just trying to keep things light here and it was just it was just quite shocking you know brian so you and I do another show called Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. And recently, we did a Captain EO episode with Michael Jackson. And it's not as if that's controversial enough these days that Michael Jackson, even though people are sort of starting to forget who this guy even, what you'd be surprised, like kids are young these days. I'm old. They, you know, Michael Jackson is actually kind of, anyway, we watched the premiere video of Captain EO at Epcot Center and like OJ showed up in it with Nicole. Yeah, these things are cursed to a degree and there's nothing else you could really do about it except talk about it you get old enough you're gonna cross some of this yeah and like you said cursed media some of the most innocent stuff can turn into cursed media i have one or two standout moments that i'd like to mention that i haven't mentioned yet from the film is there anything you'd like to get to i think i worked most of mine in already right like the part okay. the part where he passes out we talked about the the kissing scene i love when the uh, moms are driving away and the one pulls out a neil diamond tape and they lose <laughs> their <goddamn> mind <laughs> they lose their mind they're like you brought the neil diamond tape insane i did not remember that from my childhood i got i gotta be honest with you there 
so one of the disappointing things for this film is that like rewatching the first one specifically, yeah. the practical effects were so cool and like seeing the blades of grass and, and and the ant and like all that kind of stuff was awesome to that scale. Obviously in the second one the scale is different. It it's mm-hmm. And it was impressive, but it's not as impressive because we've seen it a million times, like you said, in kaiju films. This one, I thought we'd get more of a return to that scale, and I remembered it that way. But, like, they're mostly in the house, and they're mostly, like, either fighting among clothes. I think they've had a cockroach and a daddy long legs that are both pretty rough CGI. Yeah, the CGI is not as good as the first one. Or, or again, maybe the effects style is different. Um, I don't know. So they do have those bug elements. But just it just wasn't as, like, textural as the first one. So I thought the coolest moment when they were small that we haven't mentioned is, like, the Hot Wheels track. Like, that was actually, like, a riveting ride. I felt like I was on a roller coaster with it. I mean, it was poorly designed at some points, right? But it still was fun enough and, and cool enough to picture that I enjoyed it. I thought the insects were interesting that they went the CGI route. I thought it was kind of horrifying when they were in the roach motel running away from the roach and the roach's face gets caught and the wife is just like freaks out. They are freaking out from that. That's an interesting sort of moment, but I agree. The execution all around is very kind of, I don't want to say cheap because they didn't have the money, you know, so it's not their fault, but it's like the best they could do kind of situation. But I also feel like the scale shifts because they fit inside a Hot Wheel, which is like really small, and they fit in like the seats of the Hot Wheel, but then they're like standing next to like the bottle of pills, you know, and I feel like they're not that much smaller than the bottle. I mean, there's point where they're, I just, felt like throughout the movie that their size wasn't exactly consistent well it was sort of like well we need them to be in a bubble machine now so like they have to be small enough to jump through the ring of the bubble okay well they have to be like small enough to be able to fit in a hot wheel well okay it's like they have to be like small enough but also big enough to like survive falling down a laundry chute well okay like you know yeah i felt like it kept kind of fudging it it didn't i don't care like it didn't you know the movie's already kind of broken it's almost more of like a thing next time to track to see if that's what was like actually going on there because it just got a weird sense of like a lot of the compositing was sort of like they eyeballed it instead of like you know got out the fucking perspective lines and the measuring tape and all that shit and you know it just felt kind of a little more yeah let's like kind of wing it with the effects this time around, maybe because they were so like digital and there was such few practical sets and things like that to work with. Yeah, I was impressed with the first film, but not as impressed as I thought I was going to be. We'll talk about it another time. At least the first one like follows rules that exist in the real world. Like this confused me because the spider, they come across a daddy long legs in this, okay? But it's stuck in a spider web? Like a spider is stuck in a spider web? <laughs> yeah. Like even if that's possible, like a child should be like, how is that fucking possible? Even as an adult, I'm like, how is a spider stuck in a spider web? So you're right. I guess it comes back to like the writing and everything. It's like, who was on what page here? You know, who cared enough? The fact, though, that the first one did not, and I don't want to be one of these guys, but I'm going to do it, did not really use CGI, if I don't recall. Everything really felt practical. And then this one, you know, used that CGI. It was just, it was just disappointing, right? So 
I'm not going to say the first one was like, oh, the most amazing sci-fi movie ever. It was a really good kids sci-fi fun movie. And this one yeah. was this one was fun, but it's something that would just air at one o'clock on the Disney Channel. And it, it is what it is. Just it did not have that magic for me. Yeah. But I mean, it didn't make it to theaters. You know, it, it's a direct to video yeah. uh, presentation. So like, I, you know, Disney does do that kind of stuff. It was kind of renowned for what would they say? Like, I don't know if it was necessarily double dipping because this is a part three but they would kind of do this a lot with especially the cartoons where they do like cinderella <laughs> 2 yeah and shit and lady and the tramp 2 but they'd all come out on video yeah cash grab yeah cash grab and i feel like they started doing that with live action instead of theatrical releases because to be quite honest like for some reason disney doesn't really have a good track record with like a lot of their live action stuff what hits hits pretty big but a lot of stuff just kind of didn't i you know i love you saying that because it is so true about the disney legacy in terms of the animation it is considered you know the standard for an animated movie in the united states up until recently with like the cgi revolution and pixar and then they end up buying pixar or whatever but Disney has, like, I think two really big golden ages of animation, and these are the most beloved animated classics in the United States. But when it comes to the live-action stuff, since the beginning of Disney time, it's always just been, like, campy. Again, you mentioned Herbie the Love Bug, right? Uh, yeah, the Sharon sh- Trap, Freaky Friday. The Shaggy Dog. Oh, Shaggy Dog. What's the difference between the Shaggy Dog and the Herbie the Love Bug? Not very much. <laughs> no. The Love Bug is a car that thinks it's a human, and the Shaggy Dog is a human that turns into a dog. So, like, you know, they're throwing darts at a very similar board. Yeah, and there's, like, hundreds of these movies, and they're on Disney+. Yes. Plus. I know they take things off now so i don't quote me on it but most of them are on disney plus and if you look at the vault of these like or like you know the apple dumpling gang with don Knotts, escape to witch mountain which they even remade with, <laughs> the, with rock, the rock, the rock yeah. honey i shrunk the kids the original is one of the better ones of these disney live action films so you know good for that but this one just falls in line with the rest of the mediocre to poor legacy yeah of live action disney films because that's what they do right they put all their money into the first one and then less into the second and even less into the third and then even less into the fourth like i mean and that was just standard business practice i think in general in the film industry not just disney you know especially when it came to part three like i think most people were kind of like off that train executives wise they like it would i think they'd be happier not to do part three and you know maybe do something new but what could i say look at the world we're living in today we're fucking bringing everything back we're doing part nines and all of that kind musical of versions of things it just was a different culture though you know like it, believe it or not it wasn't really what was going on at the time in 1997 when this movie came out it wasn't really a franchise world at the time but there was a the positive aspect of it was and it does still exist in kids programming believe it or not the aspect here the goal here was just to entertain children like for this one even though even though they go in a weird place with it and like and that's fine nobody at disney was like we're making honey i shrunk the kids three this is gonna win us some oscars i feel like that's lost today i think we're getting back to a world where popcorn movies can exist i've seen i've seen some trailers recently like you see this trailer for this ricky stanicki movie no it it is watch it it's just like the silliest thing in the world i'm not saying you're gonna like it 
I feel like they're making an effort now to make stupid comedies again, which I salute and it's fine because we were in, I think, a 10-year period where you made a movie and everyone was like, where's my Oscar? I'm not talking about Barbie today. That's not what I mean. But like, they did not make Honey, I Shrunk the Kids 3 to win an Oscar. They did not make Honey, I Shrunk the Kids one to win an Oscar. They just wanted to entertain kids. And I appreciate the simplicity of the goal. That's it. You're here. I'm with you. And I guess what it comes down to is like kids can watch this and see like, oh, hey, if I was a kid in this movie, I'd be having a blast without my parents home. And then they could also watch the parents and be like, look at my parents being tortured. Right? <laughs> like, look at them going through the gauntlet. Like, ha, like, take that mom and dad. Like, now you're going through what the kids went through. Now you know what it feels like to be small and a little kid and no one hears you and all this shit. Right. I just wish that like came through a little stronger, maybe was like more forefront of the movie, but I can't have everything right. Like you could read you could still read between the lines if you're an adult and I'm sure kids got the idea. Yeah, you know, I think ultimately, like, it might not be a good movie, but I did have some laugh out loud moments. I was entertained. Rick Moranis is always great. I never complain having to watch a movie that he's in an hour and 15 minutes. Thank you. That was great. They did everything they needed to. They didn't outstay their welcome. So like there's a lesson in brevity with this one as well. If you're some kind of film student, you know, I don't I don't think I have very much else to say about this. I wanted to see, I know you don't play this game, but we've talked about it occasionally, the Too Fast game, if anyone has this in their favorites on Letterboxd. Oh, be my guest. By the way, 2.5 on Letterboxd, a lot better than I thought. Um, Oh, okay. I gave it two. It's still a movie. It's competent enough for what it's trying to do. Not a single person on Letterboxd has it in like their top category so not a single well you should you should make an account and put it in yours (laughs) i'll put it in mine right next to poseidon adventure (laughs) between that and the nice guys lies this (laughs) you know like there has to be one psychopath who's like no this is the best of the three (laughs) it's one of my favorite films yeah i could see just like that scene in american psycho except with honey i shrunk the kids where he's like you know i think the third installment of the honey i of the honey eye series some people call it shrunk but did you know they blew up the second child anyway he was recast for the third movie so was the mother anyway like i could see like, the one guy out there i wish i could nail that because i would do that with so many movies right i thought that you know i thought surprisingly the second film had a bit of maturity compared to this. oh i'm sure we could let's let's get that scene and we'll mad lib it so every time that he references huey lewis we'll reference a different you know the director and then one of his films instead of a huey lewis album i have a one more question for you if that if that's okay sure Maybe we'll save this for Slumber Party, but you know we're a little behind. Look Slumber forward Party. to that. Joe Johnston. Yes. If we don't yes. get to it on my pod, he obviously directs the first two here. Kind of an underrated director, right? Like he's got a lot in his back pocket. Uh huh. I love this guy. I've always loved this guy. Rocketeer, Captain America, but like he he was special. So like he had an amazing title at Lucasfilm. He he worked on the Star Wars films, okay, and he was something like the creative action sequence director. He also worked on the Indiana Jones films as like stunt director and like second unit director. So like while Spielberg and Lucas were directing like all the actors doing the drama, like he was directing all the action. Um, That's that's like from what I learned. But like I've also heard that people kind of consider him like a hack. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I've No, I've heard that as well. That's why I bring it up. And I'm like, I just don't know enough about him to say that. I don't think he is. 
tune in soon to The Monsters That Made Us as we discuss The Wolfman, a movie that he had to come in and take over. But like, you know, Jurassic Park 3. Okay. Oh, hey, look at that. So there's a part three. Ooh. I think we... Uh, we talked about him on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't know how he got considered that moniker. Like how do you how does one get considered a hack just by coming in and like doing a decent job and just like getting the movie done, right? And like not really caring necessarily what the project is as long as you get paid and get it in on time. Like I I feel like he's got a style. His movies alone like have some great action in it. He's very nostalgic. I've always wondered about that. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I figured we'd just put it out there now. Maybe we'll have more yeah. of a, an opinion when we talk about it on Slumber Party. But, you know, he, he obviously did not do this one. You mentioned the visual effects guy did this one. But I want to bring it up because, like, that's kind of how he got his job. Because he was, like you said, doing visual effects for Spielberg and on Star Wars. Like, naturally to him, he's like, well, I'm not going to do the third one. Who's most qualified? My visual effects guy. So, yeah, I mean, for I think, like, you know, in a time... I don't know if there was really a title for it. He was like a sequence designer, you know? They'd be like, we need an action sequence. And he would come up with it. He just worked his way up and became an actual director. And I saw, I saw I don't know. But, I mean, I think you hit on something there. And I think this film that we're talking about today really was put together, in my mind, with probably extra sequences from the first film. We're hypothesizing, but it feels like it. And they just flip-flopped with the parents and tried to put it together with, with other stuff. Yeah, it's totally possible. They spent almost the entire movie outside in the first one. So it could have been like, well, this is what we had planned for the inside. Like, we couldn't decide. We flipped a coin. They're going to have it. This time they're outside. Next time they're inside. The kid stuff, just my last point as I go through my notes here. What age do they seem? Because, like, the ages are very clear in the early ones. But I feel like they're 11, 12, 13. They seem young to me. Yeah, but that is young. No, no, I, I know it is, but like again, I, I cover high school films. They do not seem like like the older kids don't seem like fully formed high schoolers. They're tweens. Yeah. I feel like they're fifth. I feel like the boys are like in fifth grade, and the girls are in like seventh. Yeah, like seven. No, really, like seventh eighth grade, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I was gonna like say that their party was like incredibly lame, but. I remembered again their age, right? They're like, yeah, we're going to be home alone. And uh, yeah, their party actually kind of rocks. Are you going to pour us the ginger ale? I mean, champagne, you know. Dude, that was fucking hilarious when he comes in on the rollerblades with the tray of champagne glasses filled with ginger ale. And he's like, anyone want a drink? And he like does a little twirl and they all spill. So again, when, it, when you see the perspective that this is really for middle schoolers, you're like, okay, it was harmless then. You got to figure like everything is sort of, um, in a way like people watch stuff older than they are right like real uh, like 11 12 13 year olds are watching like high school kids yeah. i feel right because it's pg-13 for them time so like this is more geared towards like six seven and eight year olds right like really middle school yeah like i was 10 and i really liked it but that's even under the age they are so it makes sense well we could always revisit this conversation two more times down the line you know, when we get to it. But I think until then, we're standing on the target and I see that they've decided to make us big again. So we are returning to normal size. And uh, as we return to normal size, Brian, <laughs> is there anything you would like to add uh, anywhere people can find you online? I mean, not really. Look, I, I have been, Slice of Party has slowed down because I've just been busy being a, a new dad. 
you know, we have a lot of episodes on the hopper, so it's just about editing those. Obviously, you can catch both of us on Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that's really it. It's just watching third films for your show. That That's where you can find me. Reading The Godfather for our other show. Oh, yeah. We, we got to keep reading. <laughs> yep. But thank you again for inviting me on Third Times. Thank you Appreciate for being it. here. Always a pleasure. Always appreciate it. Thank you for being my unofficial co-host. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Three. That's the magic number. Three. It's the magic number. Three. Three. They stubbing me. And that's the magic number. What does it all mean?